0: Glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. We're continuing in our series on Jehoshaphat, talking about God's battle plan and maybe you've had a battle in your life. You've been struggling with something and you feel like you're getting attacked on all sides. That's what Jehoshaphat dealt with. And so last week he talked about how he came to a point of decision where he had to admit that he just needed God. And we all came to that conclusion together saying, God, we need you. We know we need the Lord. He gathered everyone from all of Israel together and said, let's admit we need God right now. They admitted that together and then they began to pray. And today we're going to unpack that prayer that they prayed to God because that prayer moved the hand of God. Wouldn't it be cool to know that there's certain ways we can pray that move the hand of God? Wouldn't that be cool to know that? Like, so is there a certain way I can pray that will get God to go into action? And there is. Now, please don't confuse us with manipulation. You cannot manipulate God you're not smart enough to. Neither am I. So we can manipulate God, so that's not the problem. When God shows you how someone prays and how he moves based upon that prayer, he's saying, if you'll pray like Jehoshaphat, I'll move like I did for him, for you, for your benefit, for God's work to happen in your life. And so that's why God shows us this scripture, because he wants us to emulate this. And so let's unpack this prayer today. Pull out your notes today. I want to say again hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God behind bars real quick. Love you guys. Appreciate you. And let's say our mission statement together, we're here to do what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming out today. So last week, again, we talked about how they admitted they needed to depend upon God. This week, let's unpack what JFAT does next. Check out the scripture. We're just going to dive right in. How to get God to answer your prayer. Check it out. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 10 says this, And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have, they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. So I, I love this prayer because this is not what I expected to find. What I love about doing like a character study, or just going verse by verse through something, is that I let the scripture lead me where it leads me. And I did not honestly expect to see this in Scripture. But one of the things that moves the hand of God, frankly, is something that also moves you and me. It's the only thing that, frankly, gets some of us upset. It's the only thing that gets us to actually act in a way that's a little counter, uh, counter what's normal. In other words, this is what would make me kind of break the social norm. And so basically what he appeals to God about is something that always gets God moving in the direction of those he loves. And so what does he do? Number one, he appeals to the justice of God. He appeals to justice of God. Now, don't confuse us with fairness. He doesn't say, God, I didn't fair. He doesn't say that God's not into fairness at all. Thank God he's not. He's into favor. So he's not trying to make everything fair for you. He's trying to give you favor. He, that's better than fair. But what does move the hand of God is Injustice. This frustrates God when there's injustice in the world. And so time and again, you see David pray prayers like this. Jehoshaphat prays prayers like this. Multiple people in the Bible pray prayers like, Lord, this isn't right. This is, this is not just, and you are a just God. And so, Lord, please do something about this. How many of you guys are normally pretty cool, calm, and collected? You're standing in line, and someone cuts in front of you. The justice rises up, Right? My wife has a high sense of justice. And so if a car pulls in front, she's like, oh, no, you're not getting in. (laughs) Justice kicks in, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And so we're like, hold on. I've been in line. Now, you're not just going to just pull on up here. I've been in line this whole time. You're not just going to cut through. Right. Justice gets the best. So it's like, oh, no, right, something rises up. One night, I'm at Walmart shopping late at night because that's where all the big time pastors shop. And I was there. And I got all my groceries, put them back in the car, and I was heading home. And it's like, I don't know, 10, 11 at night, maybe a little little later than that even. I'm kind of a late night guy. And, And so I was shopping and I was heading home and I was minding my own business. And as I was pulling out of the parking lot, I saw a guy talking to what seemed like either his wife or girlfriend, I really don't know, but he was yelling at her in her face and he had her pinned against the car. I couldn't take it. Now, normally I'm not the kind of guy to get involved. Normally I would be like, you know, it's none of my business, but this is not okay with me. And how many guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, I'm not normally going to get someone's business. But if you've got some lady pinned against her car and you're up in her grill, I'm thinking, if you do live together, what's it like at home if you're doing that in the parking lot? Right? So I'm thinking, this girl is getting abused at home probably. I mean, who knows what's going on? And I just, I'm looking around I'm like, there's no police anywhere. There's no one there. I'm just like, great, it's just me. You know, what do I do? But I just, I couldn't let it go. And I'm thinking, this is probably stupid. This guy could have a knife or a gun. I mean, I don't know. But I couldn't take it, so I just I couldn't watch this happen any longer. So I rolled down my window and I just drove up next to him, you know, because I was really tough as long as I was inside my car. <laughs> so I rolled up next to him, right? Rolled my window down and I, I said to the lady, I said, "Ma'am, are you okay?" The guy got so mad he turned to me, goes, "Hey, this is none of your business!" I said, "Dude, I'm not talking to him, I'm talking to her. Ma'am, are you okay? Do you need some help right now?" And I was like, "You just need to go home right now." And he's like, "Hey, man, you shut up, man! This has nothing to do." And he got all mad at me. He starts cussing, and I was like. Bro, I'm not even talking to you right now. I'm talking to her. Are you okay? Do you need some help right now? She got in her car and she left and he apparently went in another vehicle somewhere. I don't know whether he went back home or what, but I gave her a chance just to get away. And I mean, I'm telling you right now, in that moment, I'm thinking, I mean, I could be risking my life. I have no idea, but I couldn't take it. I just, something rose up in me. I was like, this is not okay, right? Normally I would not get involved with kids or teenagers doing something. If I don't know them, right? But if there's a little guy getting picked on or a younger person getting picked on by older people, how many of you guys are like, normally I'm not involved, but now I'm involved? You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, oh no, that's not happening on my watch. I'm not gonna walk up and see that going on. That is not cool, and so I'll get involved. Why? It's injustice. It's not right. You can't do that. You know, the reason why injustice happens in the world today is because good people don't do anything, This is why it drives me crazy when I watch stories about ISIS and Al-Qaeda killing people. I'm like, someone needs to go take them out and be God's hands. It is not right. We've got to do it. The bottom line is, is that it's injustice, right? And so God's hand is moved when we are not seeing justice. God moves at injustice. He can't take it. Did you know that about God? And so here's what I want to challenge you with. You can appeal to this and say, God, I've served my time. I've honored you. I've done this and that at the company. And then they get the raise. They get the bonus. They get the benefit. Lord, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have a raise or a benefit or bonus. I'm just saying, God, I feel like I have done my part. So, Lord, I'm appealing to you. It's okay to do that. We're not saying, don't give them a raise. We're saying, Lord, could you make room for me in this? You know, it's okay to say, Lord, I have been honoring, I have been faithful, and then they betray me? This is not right, God. This is not about, uh, about fairness. This is about what's right and wrong. And so, what he's saying, he says, God, when we came into town, we were going to attack these people. We were going to surprise attack them, which we would have had the advantage. And you told us to go around them, to leave them around, alone. So we did. We gave them mercy, we gave them grace. And now they come and attack us. This is not right. And guess what? God's like, you know what? You're right, Jefat. You're exactly right. This isn't right, and now you're going to get me involved. See, God gets involved when there's injustice. That's when he steps in. He's like, he cannot sit back and watch injustice happen. I don't know if you knew that about God. God's a just God. And so, in fact, even I've got some good news here. Even when when it seems like someone gets away with injustice, they don't. Because they will face God one day. And they will have to face what they have done that has been unjust. I don't know if you knew that. In fact, there was a, there was a, a Supreme Court justice named Horace Gray back in the day, and, and this is when he was on one of, the, one of the appellate courts, and he was facing a criminal trial, and this criminal, because of a technicality, got away with this crime. Not because there wasn't evidence. There was clear evidence that he had committed the crime. It was obvious, but because of a technicality and how he had been arrested and what didn't happen, it should have happened. Because of that, he got off. The judge could not take it. He just he just drove him crazy. So he looked at him. He said, you're about to walk out of this court. But before you do, I want to tell you that there is a higher judge that will bring justice to your life. At some point, you will face justice for what you've done. You may get away with it now, but you will not always get away with this. I just want to make that clear before you walk out of here. The guy smirked and walked right out of that courtroom as if he was an innocent man, but he wasn't. A few years later, he's in another country. He had broken into a home, downtown area of this other country. And uh, as he got caught, someone came out and they woke. They started to chase him. He hopped a fence, hopped another fence. The third fence he hopped, he hopped right into the local prison. <laughs> God has a way of getting justice. You may think you're getting away with it, but not with justice. God, that's not how he works. Let me, let me talk about another thing about justice of God. Let me just say something else. Sometimes something rises up within us. Sometimes something within us rises up. And, in fact, I see this all throughout Scripture. Think about Joseph for a second. His brother said, oh, you think you're going to be leading us? You can't lead us. You're just a little kid. You're just a little teenager. You don't have anything to offer. There's no way you'll ever lead us. You'll never lead the way. And, of course, something inside Joseph was just like, oh, no, don't tell me I can't do it because I will show you what I have in me, right? Think about David. His, he goes to show the brothers, brothers. They're in the middle of war. There's some guy named Goliath taunting, uh, you know, the, the, the army of the living God that drove David crazy. His brother said to him, you can't, you're not even in the army. You can't go attack him. And David was like, oh, bet I can. You just tell me I can't and watch me do it. And I got to tell you something right now. I got a little confession for your past right now. I may blow my image right now that you have of me, but it's okay. You need to know the truth anyways. I'll just confess my sin to you right now. One thing that will really get me going is if you tell me I can't do. It. If you say, oh, pastor, you're not leader enough for that. That's just not something you can pull off. Oh, you think you can open a campus in San Antonio? That's way too far. Just stop right now. Sure, you did in Corpus. It's not going to happen in San Antonio. Oh, please tell me I can't do it. Please say we can't do it. I beg you to put a limit on me. And you watch my God come through. Please tell me I can't do it. Sometimes that's the motivation we need, isn't it? You know, someone leaves the church and starts talking about, oh, God's not there anymore. Oh, that pastor, he's just done. It's not going to happen. Oh, please tell me God's not moving here anymore. Would you please put a limit on me? I beg you to tell me I can't do it so I can show you how big my God is. Let me just show you what God can do. Please limit me. Maybe God brought you here today so I could look you in the face and say, you can't get that degree. Come on. No one in your family has a degree. You think you can just waltz off and be a college boy? I don't think so. Oh, you think you can just start that business? You think little old you, little old employee, can become the employer? Who do you think you are? And I hope something inside you, and the justice says, oh, don't tell me what I can't do. You don't know the God who gave me this dream. You don't know the God who empowers me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Some of you gonna get fired up in here because I'm fired up today. You got more in you. And when someone tells you you can't do it, that's a dead giveaway. You should do it. God is revving you up. You know what? You know what they call this in, in Scripture? You see when they get attacked on all sides. You know what they call this in NFL? They call it double teaming somebody. Do you know how good you are when the enemy puts two people on you instead of One. You know how talented you must be? When they go, we got to put two people on you just to contain you, just to try to slow James Harden down, just to try to slow J.J. Watt down, we're going to put two multimillionaire athletes on you just to slow you down. You're so good. they got to attack you from multiple angles. you got to have the enemy coming at you from all angles. That does not tip off that you're getting attacked. It tip offs how good you are. That's how much you have in me. Don't tell me what I cannot do. I will show you what God can do through me. Something should be rising up inside you saying, I'm not living with this limit. I know I got more in me. Because last time I checked, we're the church unlimited, which means we can do it. Don't say you can't do it. You can. You have it in you. Appeal to the justice of God and know that it causes them to rise up. And frankly, it causes you to rise up too. Now look what happens next. It seems like a paradox here, but look at this, Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. It says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. I love that line. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. Isn't that a great line? You don't have to know your next step. You just got to look to God. Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. You can have confidence, not always knowing the plan, but confidence in knowing the one who has a plan. You don't have to know what's next. You say, God, I just—I don't know what's going to happen next, but I trust you. I don't know what I have next. I don't know what's next in my life or my ministry or my opportunities, but I know you do. And, Lord, you led me this far. You will lead me to the next step. I'm just going to trust in you step by step. You say, okay, hold on, Pastor. Now you're just talking about how we're limitless. We can do everything. But now, now the next thing in this, in this scripture, this prayer, is that he says he can't do anything without God. That's the paradox is that we, is that we have to understand. We can do all things through Christ, and we can't do jack squat without him. We can do anything and everything with God, but don't try to do it without Him. That's right. And so that's where your confidence comes in the Lord. It's called kingdom swagger. It's recognized that if I'll stay with God, then I can do anything through Him. That's how that works. And so, number one, appeal to the justice of God. Number two, admit you are powerless without God. Now, why is it that people in 12-step can do this, but we can't do it at church? They admit all the time that they're powerless and need a higher power to help them. And 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 that's one of the biggest powerful things about 12-step. That's why it's so effective. Then why can't we admit to this the church as Christians that we are powerless without God? The Bible says in John 15:5, it says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Last time I checked, man, we can't do anything. There's nothing you can do apart from the Lord. But with God, there's nothing you can't do. And so we need to recognize that's how much we need the Lord. I heard about this missionary true story, about the missionary that was on assignment. And when he got there, part of his assignment was to teach at a little school. And this is a foreign nation. And so he, he, he taught at this little school. And then also with the job came a car, came an old beat up car. That's kind of how it works in missionary world. You kind of, you know, get old stuff, but you just make it work. And, and so he had this old car They said, well, this is your car to get around town. But, you know, it doesn't work all the time, but if you can get to work, you can use it. So he's like, that's great. So he got this car and he couldn't get to start. So he got an idea that to go into the school where he was going to be working and ask the, the, the headmaster, can I borrow some students for just a m- minute? I need them to help me push this car down the road, get it going, and get it started. So that's what they did. And so the students came and they pushed the car. And once it got rolling, he cranked it up and it cranked. So he knew a little something about cars. Just let me get it rolling and then we'll get it cranking. So he did. Then as he was driving, he realized, okay, so my, my new strategy is now I got to park the car on a hill, right, facing downhill so that he can always just roll it out, get it moving, and then start it. That's what he did. He did this for several years. Several years into his job there as a missionary, he eventually moved on to another role, and they brought in a missionary to replace his role. So he's training up the new missionary. He's a younger guy, and he's training him, you know, showing this is what you do, this this is what I taught, and this is where I served, and just kind of gave him the whole rundown of what he was doing. And the very last thing he said, he says, oh, by the way, you have a car. It's an old car. I've been using it, but now it's yours because it comes with the role. And so let me give you the keys. He takes him out to show him the car, gets all the stuff out, and says, hey, one thing you gotta know, it doesn't start unless you get it rolling. And the guy's like, really? And this young missionary actually was pretty good with his hands, kind of mechanical in nature. And, 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 so, and so as he's describing the problem, he says, yeah, all you gotta do is get the car rolling. And he goes, well, can I have the keys real quick? Goes, sure, it's your car. Here you go. So he sits down, he, he pops the hood, and as they are just talking, this guy pops the hood, starts looking around, gets underneath the car, and says, oh, here's a loose wire. And she's like, what? Yeah, right here, there's a loose wire. He goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, just hold on a second. He tightens up the wire, hops in the car, turns it on, it immediately comes on. Two years, I've been rolling this thing down the hill to get it going, and the whole time it was a loose connection. So he had access to the full power of the car the whole time if he just would have taken the time to tighten the connection to the power. You and I have had access to the full power of God this whole time with whatever we're dealing with. We just need to actually tighten our connection to God to access the full power of God to overcome whatever we are facing today. Amen. You have access, full power. We need to admit that we need God We need to call on the injustice of our situation, say, God, please come through, admit that we're powerless, and tighten up that connection because God is there for you. And so now at this point, they say, God, we need you. Uh, We appeal to you because this isn't right what's happening to us, right? And we admit we need you. We can't do this on our own. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. And then God answers them. And so here's the question today How does God answer us? Wouldn't it be good to know how God speaks to us? Wouldn't it be great? How many of you guys are like, man, if you would just show me how God speaks to me, then I will know exactly what he's saying. It would clarify so much. Wouldn't that be great to know that? You know, well, first of all, God speaks through his word. We know that, right? He speaks it. But sometimes God highlights a certain word for us today. It's a rhema word. Rema means now. It's, it's a now word for this moment, for your situation right now, right? Wouldn't it be great? Some, how many of you guys need a rhema word? You're like, I need to know what God wants me to do right now in this situation. How many of you guys need something like that, right? Wouldn't it be nice to know how we can... Figure that out. Well, actually, in the Scripture today, we're going to show you how God highlights the Word of God. Now, first of all, the Word of God is amazing. So God really would just take the entire Bible and just dip the whole thing in highlighter and go, yeah, this is my Word for you, right? (laughs) But sometimes God has a specific Word from His Word that's like, this is exactly what I want to tell you. Speaking of that, by the way, as I was preparing this message... You know, this morning I woke up, had my time with God, and I was just talking about how sometimes people have to tell us what we can't do. It fires us up to want to do it, right? This is in my word from God today, Psalms 3 verse 1. Oh, Lord, this is David speaking. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying God will never rescue him. Literally what I just talked about. In my message, God just gave me that word today saying, yep, just like David. David was fired up and people told him, you can't do that. You're not going to be a good king. He's like, oh, a good king? I'm going to become the best king of Israel because you told me I couldn't do this. He'll fire you up. A specific word just for you. So how do you know what the specific word is just for you today? Well, let's look at the scripture. How do they know? They're all standing before God. They're face to face with him. They want to hear from him. They're in the temple. They're crying out to God. They're praying. And how does God speak? Check it out. Second Chronicles 20 verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord... Oh, someone's not happy. Someone's not happy. I'm sorry. I'm working on trying to give you a better message. I'll do what I can. It happens. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones... Wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. Please underline one of the men. Now, this is not about being a man, it's about one of the people, okay? Because I can show you all kinds of scripture where God spoke through one of the women, too. All, you know, Priscilla and Aquila in the Bible, Esther, you know, we could go on and on about all these amazing women. Don't get confused about the men and women. ah, ah, That's not the hang up. Don't hang up on that. It's about that God spoke through someone in the community, someone who is in their Christian group, in their church in their gathering, because God speaks to us in community with one another. So check it out. It says, the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. Say Jehaziel. Jehaziel. We believe in Jehaziel moments. Here's what that means. Jehaziel was a guy that no one even knows who this guy is. We still don't know much about him other than this. There's no long history of him. He's not the son of so-and-so and so-and-so. He's no one famous. He's not a big king. He's not a prophet. He didn't go to seminary. He, doesn't, he had no books that he'd, written, that he'd written. He didn't have anything going for him other than the fact that God just spoke to him and empowered him to give a word right there in a moment. Now look what happens here. It says, his name was Jehaziel. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Then he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. Now, let me explain how this works. You don't say that to a king. You don't say, hey, king, listen to me. That's a good way to lose your head. You just don't do that. I'm just telling you, you don't do that. You know, we, we that grew up in democracy are so used to just saying whatever we want to say about the president because we we've never lived under a king. You don't do that with kings. You can go on Facebook and talk about how you don't like Barack Obama or Donald Trump all you want. No one cares. In fact, let me just let you, save you some time. No one cares. I'm just trying to save you some time. Okay, so, but the point is is that everyone has their opinion about who's in charge or who was in charge or who is in charge or who's next. I mean, blah, 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 blah. Everyone has their political opinions. That's not the deal. But you didn't do this with a king. This was not a democracy. You didn't say to the king, hey, king, this is what God wants you to know. Unless you're a prophet, this guy's not a prophet. But yet God empowered him in the moment. So here is what we we learn from this. Sometimes God raises up a Jehaziel, someone that seems like out of nowhere. It is someone from among us that just speaks to our situation exactly what we need to hear in the moment, and our spirit within us bears witness and says, that's right. That's from God. How many of you guys have had a moment like this where someone just came up to you and said something, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so God. How many of you guys have had that moment before, right? You're like, that was crazy. How did they know what I was going through? How did they know what I was facing? You, you, you turn on the TV and you listen to some TV preacher, you don't even know who the TV preacher is, Two minutes in, something they say is exactly what you're facing. You're like, wow, that is so cray-cray. There are 500 channels that I have on my TV, and I have to be on this one in this moment, and God just spoke to me through that through that word. You ever had that happen to you? I've had it happen to me. You ever been listening to a Christian song, and it just all of a sudden the lyrics popped out to you, and you're like, wow, that was from God. Or you're reading a Christian book, or just some a Christian movie, or you're talking to a friend, and all of a sudden, bam, just something they said just speaks directly to your situation. That's a Jehaziel moment. Someone you hardly know just speaks to you in that moment. It says here, he said, listen to all of you, Judah, Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. I love that line. Let me taste it right now. The battle is not yours. That person you're fighting with right now, it's not about him. It's not about them. It's about him. It's not about your ex. It's about you trusting the Lord. It's not about the legal battle you're in. It's about you trusting the Lord. It's not about your, con- your competitor. It's about you trusting the Lord. It's not about who betrayed you, who left you, who broke up with you, who divorced you, who hurt you. It's about trusting the Lord. It's never been about them. It's always been about you trusting the Lord. Does that make sense? The names and faces will change, but who you trust in remains the same. And so right now it's the Moabites and the Ammonites, but it'll be some otherites next week. Just trust the Lord. And so God wants you to know you can trust him. So Jehaziel, out of nowhere, says, hey, King jo- Japhat, God told me to tell you the battles of the Lord's, trust in him. Do whatever he tells you. Japhat's like, I don't know who this guy is, but I know that's from God. In fact, let's just clarify. This doesn't mean that everyone who comes up to you and tells you something that's a word from God is a word from God. There are people that are just frankly opinionated. You know what I'm talking about? The person like, God told me to tell you about And you're like, no, he did not. You always have a <laughs> word from God. Not talking about that person. We all have people like that in our lives, okay? So that may just be someone who's opinionated, all right? That doesn't mean, always mean that that's a word from God. But when someone out of nowhere that never has that kind of thing comes up to you and says, look, I know this sounds kind of weird, but man, God just really spoke to me and told me that I should tell you this, and something in you, in you leaps when you hear it, and you're like, whoa, that was God. How many you know what I'm talking about? Like, that was a God moment. God spoke to me right then and there maybe you're missing your God moment because it's not the God that's not speaking to you, but you're rejecting what he's already told you. King Jehoshaphat could have said, well, who are you? You're not a king. I'm not going to listen to you. But he didn't do that. He realized this is God. We've all stood in God's presence and God empowered someone with a word and we believe that's from God. You got to learn to go with it. So sometimes God is speaking to you, but you don't like who's delivering it. Could it be that God's already told you what to do about that relationship through the five warnings of your closest friends? You just don't like what they're having to tell you. Could it be that God is speaking to you, but you don't like the fact that it's coming through your parents? Because like every teenager, they think that they know what's up and that the parents were never teenagers. I don't know how you think you got here, but the truth is at one point your parents were younger and they made some mistakes and made some choices and decisions they've learned a lot from them, and they may have some impact on what you can choose now. The bottom line is that oftentimes God is speaking to us. We just don't like who, who, who he's speaking through. You gotta be willing to, to admit that sometimes your Jehaziel comes from someone that maybe is the least likely source for you to listen to, but they're still right. Bottom line is that God may be speaking to you through your youth minister, through a Sunday school teacher, through a friend, through a coworker, through a family member, He could be speaking to you all kinds of different ways, a coach, a principal, a teacher. Maybe just someone you hardly even know. God's using them to speak to you truth. So maybe you say, Lord, I just never hear from you. God's saying, how many times do I have to tell you this? How many people do I have to send your way to tell you before you're gonna finally realize it? So you can either listen to all of them or you can listen to the pain you're about to experience by not listening to them. Which one do you want to listen to? I would much rather have the class than the lab. You know what I'm saying? I'd much rather learn from someone's warning than go through it myself. Life is too short to make all the mistakes yourself. Learn from others. So I want to challenge you. Maybe God already is speaking to you. Maybe God's speaking to you through a preacher or a mentor or godly books or his word directly or a Christian song. There's a lot of different ways that God speaks to us. But there's a Jehaziel moment. Last night, we do, a, we do a, a critique after my first service every weekend to try to improve the message to make sure I'm on point. And so I want to be open to criticism. I think everyone needs to be open to criticism, so I try to set the tone. And I bring people in to hear my message, some on staff, some not on staff, and just ask them, would you think, would you like, would you not like, anything offended you, any cringe factor I need to remove, anything that, that didn't make sense. And we just get clarification, and I, I use that and mark all over my notes and, and adjust stuff. So we had that meeting last night, like I always do every week. Some are staff, some are non-staff. Some people come in all the time. Some people are there occasionally, just, and they know they could just come in, and I just want anyone's feedback. I really like that. And I love getting visitors feedback. That's my favorite. But but we just had different random people. And one of our staff members just just slid in towards the end of the meeting, and uh, and the, she said to me, "Wow, Pastor, it was a great message. I appreciate that. I really wasn't looking for that, but thank you." But then she said at the end of the whole critique time, uh, she said, "Pastor, before we finish, I need to tell you something." I was like, "Okay." She had not sat in the whole message. But she just caught the tail end of the message. At the very ending, she slid in because she was, has a job. That she's running around, getting stuff ready all over the campus. And she just slid in for the very end. And she said, Pastor, the craziest thing happened. She began to weep. And she said in this meeting at the end, again, she hadn't heard the sermon. She hadn't heard about Jehaziel or any of that. She said, I just have to tell you this. I'm sitting in the end of service, and I got a vision. And I literally envisioned in my mind a wind sweeping over the people. And thousands of people come to know Christ during this season of our church. She began to weep and she told us that. And I said, are you kidding me? And I said, did you hear me talk about Jehaziel? She said, Jehaza, who? <laughs> I said, you didn't hear about God using people to bring word? He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I had just talked about God using people to bring a now word, and then she walked in with a now word for us. We were freaking out. The whole room was like, this is crazy how God just used her to bring a now word, saying the Spirit of God is about to sweep over this church, and thousands of people are going to be saved. Amazing. You've got to be open when God wants to use someone to speak into your life. God will answer your prayer through, number three, godly people, which leads me to this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. There's all kinds of one another's in the Bible. Encourage one another, warn one another, serve one another, love one another. There's all kinds of one another's in the Bible. How can you do the one another's if you're not really in relationship with anybody? If they're not in communication with anyone, if you're not, if you're just coming to church and leaving, it's hard to do these one another's. So I want to challenge you, number four, to join a life group today. To join a group. Oh, pastor, I'm new here, you know. So it doesn't say join a group after you've been here a certain amount of months. It just says join a a group. Don't miss meeting together. You know. Oh, I've been coming here for years, and now it's kind of weird because I've been here so long that I just haven't done. it, So I guess I just kind of missed that point. There's no expiration date on this. Join a group today. Join a life group. Because the truth is, is that you may be one relationship away from everything changing in your ministry, in your business, and your relationships, and everything. You may be one key relationship away. Don't cut yourself off from God speaking to you by not being in community with other believers. I want to challenge you to join a group, whatever camp you're at, join a group today. Because I believe God speaks through other people to us. He really does. It's not just, and God will use you to speak to other people as well. That's how that works. In fact, right now, we're going to do something different. We started the service a little different. We're going to end it differently, too. Would you stand to your feet? All across all of our campuses, we're going to ask you to stand to your feet. You can set your notes down. As you stand to your feet, we don't normally do this. I just feel really led to do this. Would you do me a favor right now and just reach across the aisle and just hold hands to the people next to you on either side right now? we just do that? All across all of our campuses right now. Because maybe you came in alone saying, I can't handle what I'm facing, Pastor. You don't know what I'm going through. Maybe I don't know, but someone needs to know. And you've been acting like you're alone, but do you feel alone now? Because you're not. There are thousands of people just like you that you're joined arms and hands with right now saying, I am no longer alone. The power of the church is that we do this together. So right now with your head bowed, and your eyes closed during this prayer time, as you hold the person's hands next to you right now, there's a single guy somewhere in the back going, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. With your hands (laughs) clasped to the person next to you, I want to challenge you during this prayer time to no longer face your problem alone. Tim, you're right now saying, Pastor, I've been dealing with this addiction on my own for so long. How's that working out? You weren't meant to go through it alone. You were not meant to do life alone. You're not meant to go through your divorce alone. You weren't meant to go through the struggle of that wayward child alone. You don't think anyone else has dealt with that? Are you kidding me? You were not meant to face whatever it is you're facing alone. God has put you in a community with people that love you, that you have an opportunity to serve them, and they can serve you. And you can encourage them, and they can encourage you. And you can pray for them, and they can pray for you. And you can be there for them, and they can be there for you. That's called the church. It's the most powerful organization in the world. The local church is bigger than Amazon.com, bigger than Walmart, bigger than any army you could muster, bigger than the UN. There are churches where there is not running water. The church is the most powerful organization in the world because it's the only one Jesus ever started head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe your prayer today is something different you didn't expect. Maybe your prayer today is to say, Jesus, I committed, I'm going to get in a group. I realize I need a group. Or maybe you get in a group today because you don't know when you are going to need it. So you join a group in advance and realize that I don't know when trouble's coming, so I'm going to be prepared for when it does come. So during this prayer time, maybe your commitment is to say, Lord, I know it's going to be a little awkward, but I'm just going to do it. See me right now thinking, oh, Pastor, I don't want to join a group. I'm not going to know anyone. Well, then bring the person that you're holding hands with right now on your right or left, that's friend or family, and say, let's just join a group together. Now you know someone in the group. It's that simple. It's not complicated. Get in a group. Get involved. No matter your age, no matter your stage, get in a group. I want to challenge you to do that today. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we never miss an opportunity to help you know Christ. God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine. Jesus not only paid the price for our sins, he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God, that he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer and receive Christ right now. This is what it means to become a Christian, to become a Christ follower. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, we're gonna pray this out loud together for those who've never prayed it. We're gonna pray it alongside you just to lead you in this prayer. You can pray this prayer with me right now. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. He, he can pray, too. It's cool. All right. Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? Would you just give God the hand right now? Praise God. Praise God.